said before, it is good to be back with you guys today. And as Scarlett mentioned um, just a few moments ago, the reason we were not here last week is because we had a new niece born into the family, and baby Juliet was uh, born on Friday, and so we rushed to St. Louis after work and got to stay there for a couple of days, and that was an adventure in itself. Um, yeah, I'll share that sometime. Uh, but then we went on to Southern Illinois and visited my family a little bit, and and a little bit of Scarlett's family. Hadn't seen most of them since about Christmas, and so that was uh, it, it was good to see everybody. But on Sunday, Scarlett and I, uh, we we kind of miss being with our church family. The last time that we met together, we looked at the Beatitude, which is the first part of the Sermon on the Mount out of Matthew chapter 5. Today we're going to be uh, diverging from that just a little bit, and our scripture is going to be in the book of Acts. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and we'll be in chapter 2, and we'll start reading in verse 1. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. Now I told you some time back that we were going to look at the whole Sermon on the Mount, because that seems to encapsulate the core teachings of Christ, and we are going to do that. But we're, we're jumping ahead to the book of Acts today because uh, last week, the week that I was gone, was Pentecost Sunday. And you may have not even realized that there was a Pentecost Sunday, especially if you grew up in a Baptist church like I did. And that may not really mean a whole lot to you, but, um, but Pentecost Sunday is when we think about, when we recognize, when we uh, look at the scripture that records Pentecost. What, what we actually think of as Pentecost the Spirit being given, the birth of the church, and things like that. And and um, I want you to look back at, if, if you found the Acts, look over at chapter 1 and verse 3. Because um, you remember we, we had our Resurrection Sunday celebration some time ago. Look at uh, verse 3. It says, To these he presented himself alive after his suffering, talking about the disciples, by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40, 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. So we're actually at like 57 days now or, or around that point. Um, but just think, from the time of Easter till almost like two weeks ago, that amount of time Jesus was with his disciples after the, after the resurrection. And, and to put that in kind of concrete terms, I mean, he, that whole time he was teaching his disciples, he was showing them uh, evidences that he was the Messiah, that he had been raised again. And so, um, so then the ascension happens, he goes back to heaven, and then ten days later, Pentecost happens. Now, we are going to look at a rather lengthy text. We're not going to read the whole thing because there's stuff at the beginning, a whole sermon, or most of a whole sermon, and then some more at the end. And so we're going to skip part of the sermon because you already get one from me and, and, and one and a half would be good enough, right? Now, when we read this, depending on your background, depending on who you're acquainted with, some of this text may make you think of certain groups or certain people because, well, one of the things we have to realize is that certain, certain texts like the book of Acts sometimes are descriptive instead of prescriptive. What that means is they record what happened they describe what happened rather than tell us what should happen. Okay? Now, the early church was born. The church was born at Pentecost. That's not going to happen again. Okay? It's already happened. The Spirit has been given. That's not going to happen again. So it, it happened once. So some of the things that are happen, happening in our text are unique in history. And so some of the things won't transfer over to today in a one-to-one -one fashion. Having said that, there are a lot of truths for us as 21st century believers and as New Hope believers 
So don't tune me out. Now, this is something I'll just give you for free. When you say the Scriptures, one of the things that I found to be helpful is if you take a passage of Scripture and you're trying to figure out what is the main point, one of the things that I learned in, in, in my college experience was try to summarize it in one sentence. And that's pretty tough if it's a real long passage like this. But you, you take a passage of Scripture and you try to come up with a, a thesis, a topic sentence that will cover the whole passage. Now, I try to do that with all my texts and then use that as kind of the outline for my sermon. That's what I've done this time. Because it's real lengthy, I'm not going to give you a real detailed uh, sentence, but I might summarize the passage this way. God enabled and emboldened his followers to powerfully proclaim the gospel while simultaneously working in hearers' hearts with the result being that many people heard and believed the gospel message. Now, that's a great big sentence, and that's not very detailed. Hopefully, uh, you'll see where I got it from. Stand with me, if you would. And we're going to pick up in Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. It says, When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues, as, as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now the Jews living in, there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered, because each one of them was hearing them speak in, their, in his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, why, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we each hear them in our own language, to which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Mesopotamia Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the districts of Libya around Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them in our own tongues, speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others were mocking and saying, They are full of sweet wine. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, Men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, that let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day, about nine in the morning. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour, out, pour forth of my Spirit on all mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will grant wonders in the sky above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And he continues on with this sermon, but I want to skip down to verse 36. Uh, he's, he's just finishing up, and here's the, here's the thesis of his sermon. He says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart, and said to Peter and the rest of the disciples, Brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the 
forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children, and all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call to, will call to himself. And with many other words he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, part of the thing that I said at the beginning was that um, when the Spirit was given, God enabled and emboldened His followers to proclaim the message. And the first thing, the first, if, if you look right at the beginning of chapter 2, uh, the very first thing that happens in, in this enabling is He gave His disciples the ability to speak in other languages. And I know that the topic of, of tongues is a pretty hotly debated topic. People come down in all kinds of camps on that. And dealing with the whole issue of tongues all throughout the Bible and in our Christian experience, that's not the point of this sermon, but it does appear in the text, so I feel that I need to deal with it. Uh, what do we make of this issue of tongues in our text? Well, no doubt about it, you know there are different understandings of what tongues is in, in Christendom. Uh, one of the popular things, especially among our uh, charismatic brethren, their interpretation of this, uh, many of them, is that that these these disciples were so overcome by the by the power and the influence of the Holy Spirit that they began to uh, have this ecstatic experience, and they were talking in unrecognizable syllables. Okay, possibly they some of them say they didn't even know what they were saying themselves. But what does the Bible say? Well, it's obvious that a miracle of languages happened. Okay, that's that's something that we can all find common ground on. But this was not an ecstatic utterance. How do we know that? Well, look at what the Bible says. It says that this happened on Pentecost. What does Pentecost mean? Well, Pentecost was one of the three Jewish um, feasts that all the Jews were supposed to go to, and it means 50. Pentecost means 50. Now, if you read in the Bible, you may also see uh, something about the Feast of Weeks. This is the same thing. And they, the reason they call it the Feast of Weeks is because uh, it happened 50 days after the Passover. Okay, so uh, the Passover happened on the Sabbath. Then the next day, so on Sunday, you're supposed to start counting seven Sabbaths, or a week of Sabbaths. So that's how it got its name, uh, uh, Feast of Weeks. So anyway, its purpose was to celebrate the harvest. And all the Jews, like I said, they were supposed to go to the Passover and, and to the Feast of, of, of Weeks or, or Pentecost. And so what would happen is many of the Jews, um, they would go to Passover because it was 50 days, uh, Pentecost was 50 days after. Many of them would stay in town. Now, you remember Pentecost or Passover, there were huge crowds that went to Jerusalem. So many of those people were still there at Pentecost. It was a very multicultural, uh, international type of gathering because uh, Jews were coming from all over the world. They'd, they'd experienced the, the dispersion. Remember, they were taken into Babylonian captivity and stuff like that. And so even though they were Jews, they grew up in different parts of the world, spoke different languages natively. Anyhow, so here you have all this conglomeration of people all, from all over the world, and there's that big list of nations that I read. And God causes this sound to happen, and all these people hear this noise. It's the sound of a mighty rushing wind. Now, I noticed that it's a sound, and, and some, some people, name it, they make a big deal of this, and they say, oh, the, there's a mighty wind that came in, but it doesn't say that. It just says there was a sound. I think they had lamps going. The, the flames didn't even flicker. 
it was just the sound, and, and that's what caused people to be like, what in the world's that? There's no wind blowing, and I hear the sound of wind. So they went to see what was happening. Now notice in verse 5, uh, a little detail. When they showed up, they heard the gospel in their own language. So all these people are from all over the world. Verse 5, verse 6, they heard in their own language. So this, this experience they had is not some sort of uh, heavenly angel speak. It was a real flesh and blood language these people are speaking. Now, how did they get that ability? Look at verse 7. They were amazed in a song saying, Why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Now, to us, that doesn't mean anything. Okay, they're from Galilee. If they had sticks in Palestine, these guys would have lived in them because they were hicks. I mean, they were uneducated. They, they, were, they were hicks from the sticks, hillbillies from way back up in the holler. I mean, they were not educated men. And what they did speak, they, they probably spoke Aramaic and, and probably some Greek, it would have been some rough language, you know. It, it wasn't real smooth. It wasn't polished. This was a miracle from God. They they were not they they, they didn't go to college and get a, a bunch of degrees in languages. Okay, these guys didn't know how to speak these languages. They were speaking. God gave them this ability. Now I want to pause here because this really is loaded with application for us. Say, Pastor. I think you might be going into some dangerous territory because we don't do tongues here. So what, what am I saying? Well, I'm not saying that we should all be speaking in an unknown language. Why? Well, last time I checked, all of us here spoke and understood English pretty well. I don't speak English real well. Kind of like that lady that said, uh, said do, you, do you read writing? She said, well, I don't, I don't hardly read reading. Well, I don't, I don't speak English too well. I don't hardly, ever, I don't hardly speak speaking too good, too well. Anyway... Anyhow, so what does this tell us about God? Well, it tells us first that God is concerned that all nations hear about Christ. I mean, that's a huge point because the gospel is not restricted just to the Jews. It's not restricted just to the Gentiles. It's not restricted to the whites or the blacks or the Hispanics or the Baptists or whoever it is. God wants all nations to come to him. He wants all people to hear about him. And and I think we want that, don't we? We as a church want people to hear about Jesus. And that's a good thing. That's what God wants. That's His heart, and that should be our heart too. Now, I don't know if you realize this or not. Of course, the year's slipping by us. But I didn't realize until just the other day that, I think it was last week, was the middle week of the year. You know, 52 weeks in a year, divided that by two. I think we're like 26 weeks now about 27 weeks into the year. Wow. That's happened fast. And I went back and I looked at my the first sermon I preached in 2014 because I laid out some things I wanted our church to, to focus on and to do this year. And I said, what kind of progress are we making? Now I look back at some of the things I, I specifically said and we've done a lot of those things. So go us. Missions offerings. You know, Lottie Moon, Annie Armstrong, even though Annie Armstrong, we kind of, well, it, it was weird this year. We started late, and that kind of, I don't know what happened. It's kind of ambiguous at the end. and and But, you know, we did it. And we collected was about 2.30. And our goal was 300, so we fell a little short. But 2.30 is better than no 30, right? We did the food drive. We raised, we collected hundreds of pounds of food. We are getting ready to do Bible school. Um, we didn't adopt a class room or a school or a teacher or anything like that, um, I still would like us to prepare to do something like that, even during the summer. 
say, but we're not in school. No, but we're going to be in school pretty soon. We can prepare for that whenever school comes around. Or, uh, or maybe even during Bible school, we can maybe give out some school supplies or something. We, I want us to, to, to expand our vision. And in, in the summer months, let's not forget our focus. And isn't that easy to do? We, we have vacations. We have games. We have uh, all these different things that we have going on. And it's easy to get so focused on that that we don't stay focused on our purpose. And I, I want us to stay focused on the main thing. Let's make a concerted effort to take the gospel to those who need it. That's, that's God's heart. He wants all people to hear it, and we do too. So let's keep that up. But also notice, look, look at your... Uh, look at your Bibles, if you would. Um, look at look at verse six. When this sound occurred, what what did the crowd do? They came together. God did something to bring the people together. Why? So they could hear the gospel. He got their attention. Now, can we do that? Well, sort of. I mean, we can't cause a a great sound, but we can do something to to get people together. And that's a good thing. And we've done stuff like that in the past. We've had different musicians, fish fries, different stuff like that. And that's all a way to get people in so they can hear the gospel. And that's a good thing. I think with, with Bible school uh, coming up, I think it would be great to have some sort of a kickoff event. Get people together so they can hear the gospel. Now, is it going to cost something? Yeah. I've never known of an, of an investment that didn't cost something of you. And that's what it is. It's an investment. Investing in eternity, investing in these kids. We need to do something to bring people together so they can hear the Word of God. Okay, let's move on. So, so God enabled these people to speak in other languages. And also notice He empowered their witness. Because they, they weren't just rattling some gibberish, they were proclaiming the Word of God. We have part of Peter's sermon here uh, recorded for us. It's, it's several verses long. We didn't look at all of it. But I want you to notice something. These amazing results were not dependent upon Peter's great oratory skills. They didn't get saved because Peter was a good talker. Okay, He was a Galilean, remember? He was probably up there meddling as bad as I do. And God worked through that. And listen, no matter how moving a speaker can be, no matter how powerful their argument is, no matter how strong their emotional appeal is, People are not going to get saved. There's no conversion going to happen unless God makes it happen. Jesus said it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict and convince of sin. Now, we can try to apply the Holy Spirit all we want, but we can't do it. We can't convict people of their sin. And he was with Peter. He was giving him the words to say. He was helping him proclaim the message. But also look at verse 37. He was at work in the hearers' hearts as well. Verse 37 says, When they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. They were pierced in the heart. Again, this teaches us about today because when we teach, when we preach, when we hold revival, when, when we hold Bible school, whatever it is, we should trust that God's at work. Is the gospel being proclaimed? Then he's at work. He said in the book of Isaiah that his word would not return to him void. It would accomplish what he sent it out to do. And that's what's, that's what's happening here. He's enabling Peter to preach the message but also notice he's working in the hearers' hearts too. Because they're accepting Christ does not depend on Peter. People today accepting Christ does not depend on me. It doesn't depend on you. It depends on God. 
And I want to encourage you with that again in a general sense, but also in a very specific way. Because Bible school, do you realize Bible school starts in less than 30 days? Less than a month. We're going to have kids and decorations and and we're going to be, I don't know, all kinds of jungle things going on. And I, if you were not here on Wednesday, you missed it. Scarlett did a, there, there's a song that's kind of like Tarzan, that, and Scarlett, she got into it. I have video of it on my phone if you need to see it. There's going to be all kinds of crazy stuff going on. And realize that as we serve and as we teach and as we share with those kids, realize God's, God's in that. He's using our words and our actions. You say, the pastor, they, they just don't seem to listen. I mean, I'm talking, it doesn't seem like anything's getting into into their heads. And I, I mess things up. I get names wrong in the stories. I can't pronounce half the names. And I just, or maybe say, well, I don't have a teaching position. I, you know, I do the, the recreation or the, the food or, or, you know, the the stuff up here at the beginning, the, the worship rally. I'm not teaching. Oh, it just feels so pointless. But listen, God uses all that stuff to draw people to himself. Have you ever had a smile turn your day around? Have you ever had somebody share a kind word with you? It wasn't anything big. It's like, you know, that really helped. God can use anything. So, so be willing to be used by him because he's using all that stuff to draw, draw people to himself. He was at work when the gospel was proclaimed and he'll be at work today when the gospel is proclaimed too. Last thing I want you to see is right there at the end of the text and that is that he enabled the spread of the gospel, the rapid spread of the gospel. This goes hand in hand with the first point that he cares about all nations. He wants everybody to hear. When this happened, if you look at verse 41 again, so, in those, so then those who had received his word were baptized and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. The number of witnesses was like 120 before this, if you read the first part of Acts. At the beginning of the day, 120. At the end of the day, 3,120. Their witness, their witnessing power increased exponentially. Now what do you think happened when those 3,000 people went back to all those different homes? I think they did. They told people, right? Whenever I was thinking about this, I, I thought of a weenie roast. You know, when you're sitting there by the fire and it starts to die down a little bit, you just have the coals and stuff. And it's, it's just perfect. You're sitting there. It starts to get a little low, and you think, oh, I better throw a piece of wood on. Somebody throws the wood on, and it hits, and what happens? All those embers fly up in the air, right? And you can see them really well because it's dark and you see all those glowing specks going everywhere. And then if the wind is blowing just a little bit, so I want to go over here, I want to go over there, so I'm over here. That's what happened with these, with these witnesses. They all came together in one place from all over the world. They heard the gospel, and then they went out. One went over there, a couple went over here, some over here. And they talked about Jesus. They told their friends about Jesus. They told their co-workers, their neighbors, about Christ. They were preparing the way for, for the, the apostles. When they came along later, there's already work being done. They could build on that. Folks, that's what we need to be doing. We need to be going wherever God's put us 
and get the word out. We need to be telling other people about Christ. He'll be with us. You say, but pastor, how do we know that that is for us today too? How do we know the Spirit's going to be with us? Well, it says in the Bible. Look again at verse uh, 39. Well, at the end of verse 38, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit himself is the gift. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord God will call to himself. Are you a Christian? Yes, this is for you. Are you one that he's called? Yes, that's for you. You have the Spirit within you. The Spirit is with us. He takes up residence in the hearts and lives of every believer. And if you're a Christian today, you have the same Holy Spirit in you that was working at Pentecost. We have the same Spirit in us as New Hope that was there at Pentecost. So it can be too hard for us. Say, oh, but Pastor, look at our numbers. I mean, just look around. We don't have too many. Even when we've got everybody here, it's not a big church. So, what's your point? Are there limitations to what we can do? Well, there are some numerical limitations, obviously. But you know what? We can still reach our community for Christ. We can. We should. We must. That's our purpose. Why do you think God put a little church up here in, in rural Lawrence County, Missouri, on top of a great big hill. There's a church up at Hall Town. There's a church down in Chesapeake. There's a church in, you know, Curse Chapel. It's just down the road a little ways. Why did God put us here? He put us here because we can reach people that Hall Town can't, the Chesapeake can't, that the Curse Chapel can't. We are here for a reason. Our reason is to reach people for Christ. Our reason is not to come and, and give money and sit and, and listen to, to the preacher preach or to... You know, do all this stuff. Our reason is to tell people about Jesus. That's why we're here. That's why I'm here. That's why you're here. You know, maybe, as I've, I've talked about this in my, in my pitiful way, somewhere in there you felt the Spirit working in your own heart. Maybe as a Christian, even now God's saying, you know what? I've been dealing with you about this thing for a while. And you haven't taken care of it. You have some sin you need to repent of. Maybe you have some area of service. Maybe there's maybe you're being called to full time vocational ministry. Whatever it is, you need to respond to that. In obedience. But as a non Christian, you're in need of a savior. And if you look at verse twenty one again, it makes it very clear. It says in verse twenty one. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you've never done that, do it today. Call on the name of the Lord. Ask Him to save you. Repent of your sins. But for those of us who are Christians, man, let's not lose, let's not lose sight of the reason that we're here. It's so easy to get bogged down, to get discouraged. Listen, I've last day or two to, I'll, I'll just be perfectly honest with you I've wrestled with discouragement think about different things and you know how it is when you start thinking about stuff and you start getting a bad attitude and that feeds into something else that you're thinking about and that's no good guys let's not lose our focus our focus is to reach people for Jesus that's why we're here come stand with me as musicians come forward
Nancy's saying, I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And maybe, maybe you're in the, the similar boat to what I was in. Maybe something's got you down. Maybe church has got you down. about the one who sows and the one who reaps. One's not better than the other. It's not that the sower is better than the one who's getting the harvest. The one who's getting the harvest is not better than the one who's sowing because they're all involved in the same work. They're just doing different parts of the, of the same work.